0: seen in recent years a number of enterprises both of individuals and and groups set up to promote opportunities for uh, people to visit places and it comes with a lot of benefits for those involved and uh, rather than just see it as a kind of an add-on compared to the serious world of uh, exhibitions and uh, publications, uh, this is an opportunity to, to think about it as a as an important forum in itself for for the craft world. And we're blessed with quite a nice range of people from uh, different uh, parts of the world with very interesting stories to tell. If we could uh, begin with uh, uh, Sabashir. Uh, Where are you at the moment?
1: Thank you, Kevin. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm currently in between Lahore and Sunday's. And uh, loving every day of the sunshine here. Um, So, I'm a visual art um, educator um, and a visual art system. And uh, other than teaching at uni, I also um, do student development workshops besides my own practice. And uh,
0: yeah. Terrific. Uh... And uh, let's go to Delhi now, to Camelan, which is one of our partners. Uh, how are things with you? Hi, we're good.
2: Uh, this is hello from smoked out uh, Delhi. Uh, we've just had uh, a Diwali happen here and uh, we're just recovering from uh, all the festivities. Uh, and uh, it's been it's great to be with all of you. I'm looking forward to
0: Good, and and thank you very much, Swadu, for sharing your wonderful article about uh, the uh, Luluchas of West Bengal, which is one of the highlights in our issue there. And uh, now let's go to uh, Tajikistan, to uh, Ikromi Nagina, or Nagina Ikromi, uh, who wrote a beautiful a uh, set of profiles of Tajik artisans for our issue. Greetings.
3: Assalamu alaikum. Hi to everyone. Thank you very much. Um, now we are in Tajikistan, in Dushanbe, in the capital of the country. So I'm in the
4: union
3: of the Tajikistan office that work with more than 200 artisans around the country. So... Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Kevin. That the first article, that uh, with your support we could do it, and we are now trying to support artisans to bring them from local to international level.
0: Terrific! And you. Uh, can you say something about that beautiful textile behind you?
3: Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, this article was uh, through the Garland magazine. That was really great, and it. It got already a lot of comments and uh, good feedbacks. So we would like to continue it.
0: Yes, please do. We'd like certainly yeah. more stories. If let's go to Julia Rath now, who's had a, another very interesting article from West Bengal and whose tour was also reflected by a writer in our issue as well. So greetings, Julia.
5: Uh, yes, kirai from beautiful. Um, west brunswick in melbourne in victoria australia it's a gorgeous day here today um, i'm really delighted to be here thank you kevin for the invitation uh, and i'm i'm excited to actually meet some of the other writers whose articles i've read so it's a, it's a delight to have that opportunity um, yeah i've been doing i have a portfolio career i do a number of things i design and print my own textiles and I work with a group of women in southern um, India and in Tamil Nadu who make baskets. And I also run the tours um, once a year to West Bengal.
0: Yes, yes, uh, which have been very successful. I guess you're, you're a model of of this kind of development that we've seen. Uh, now let's go to New Zealand, uh, to Leila Walter, who's been on a bit of a Central Asian yo-yo of late, first Uzbekistan, then Kazakhstan. And where are you now?
6: That's right. I've just arrived home in New Zealand, Aotearoa. So I'm a glass artist um, from New Zealand, and I have just been to the First World Handcrafts Festival in Uzbekistan. Amazing support from the Uzbek government, bringing 200 international artists to show their work alongside 1,000 local artisans. Incredible festival. I recommend anyone to go to Uzbekistan in Kokand. From there, I was invited on a separate journey to Kazakhstan to participate in a forum of artisans, smaller forum, about 60 uh, Kazakh artists from across the country of Kazakhstan. And I chose to travel with my own work and also 12 um, other New Zealand top craft artists.
0: Mm, Terrific, wonderful to have you so fresh Mm. from that experience. And finally, we go to uh, Pushka and uh, Rajasthan, which is one of the stands at a kind of state level that uh, we should be considering, and uh, Praveen and Fiona, who've uh, been working, accepting tours and taking tours for, for many years in this very interesting part of the world. Uh, hello and happy Diwali.
7: Happy Diwali.
0: <laughs> How are things in Rajasthan at the moment?
7: Um, Well, today quiet, everybody's away still getting over the festival, so we're waiting for the workshop to warm up again.
0: And uh, I believe there's a big event coming up involving creatures with humps.
7: Oh, Camel Festival. (laughs) (laughs) We did hide from that. It just makes life very difficult for us to work. Nobody can get to the workshop because the roads all get blocked, so people are late and distracted, and it's um, it's all very exciting if you're out there, but if you're here in our in our workshop, it just makes a bit of a headache.
0: Well, it seems good timing between Diwali and, <laughs> and uh, Camel Fair to, to catch you then. Mm. Terrific. Well, well, let's have a look at uh, your thoughts about this question of craft travel, what its uh, value is. If we can go back to, to Sabashir uh, and uh, just a sec. If you'd like to, to share with us what you think is uh, the value of, of travel and uh, what are some of the issues that you think uh, we need to consider with the, the way in which it's developing?
1: Um, yeah, so uh, from Pakistan's perspective, I think um, the sector still needs to be developed because simply we've had a lot of issues regarding um, security um, in, term, in, in relation to having tourists over and also issues. But um, if you just ignore the political aspects of um, all these things, um, in Pakistan has a really Wonderful, um, you know, sort of history of uh, craft, uh, craftsmanship, and treasures right down from um, the Indus Valley civilization to the Mughals and even contemporary craftsmanship now. Uh, what is more interesting, perhaps, other than it being um, you know, the, the soft kind of picture of Pakistan, projecting the soft picture of Pakistan. Um, amidst all this political um, upheaval that's happened in the country, um, it's also, I think, really important that um, the uh, the the crafts provide um, a, you know economic empowerment of women um, in the country and. um it's it's it, it, you know women account for about one fifth of the workforce in the sector, um, and it's really wonderful that um, a lot of uh, international donor programs and um, lots of local voluntary initiatives have been happening, around now, especially with groups of women from rural areas, um, and I think that's um, been very very valuable in terms of um, promoting the craft. And also promoting uh, the culture and the society, and you know, bringing the levels of um, economic activity um, for women um, um, in, in, in the land. Life, really. So, yeah.
0: And I guess that raises a question for people who are outside Pakistan, where we're familiar with the practice of purdah, where women are kept away from strangers. Uh, or non-family members—is uh, that still something which uh, is an issue when it comes to tourism?
1: Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so. No. We, in, it, in the strictest of places, I think perhaps. Uh, but for most um, of the country and, and I speak for the rural areas as well, there's there's a lot of moderate, um, you know, environment that exists in terms of um, women, and women are quite happy to kind of leave the parka as long as they've got like a modest head covering. Um, We don't strictly adhere to a lot of, um, you know, the veil in terms of face covering. And um, most of these activities happen within groups of women and children together in the domestic um, environment. So. It's really not for the, um, you know, issue at this point. Um, there are uh, a couple of um, areas where male trainers have been discouraged to be a part of the groups that actually engage with the women. But other than that, uh, we've had very productive relationships with both, you know, male students um, as well as uh, you know, females and males off. off. Uh, the artist, their workers, female workers. So, really, I think it's a bit of a stereotype that um, needs to be broken. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that's really important for the world to understand that uh, we're going places like that. Um, and it's quite uh, unlike the perception of what um, is present. Yeah.
0: Yes, yes, that's one of the wonderful things about having writers like you, uh, Sa, who can help us uh, know about this uh, part of the world. We, we usually hear other stories regarding uh, and your piece about the rickshaw in Lahore is uh, quite good because of course it combines both uh, travel and craft in the sense of the highly decorated vehicles that can take people around and it resonates with the article we had by Noor Jahan Bagrami about the, uh, Islamabad airport and the, the truck decorations that featured in those installations. So there's a lot to dazzle the eye as, as you move about, it seems in Pakistan. Let's now go to, back to Delhi and, uh, to Camelan, which is a wonderful organization that does, uh, uh, customized tours, uh, for people around India and perhaps beyond, uh, What's your perspective on the the value of travel and uh, some of the issues that you think we need to consider?
4: Uh, I uh, so uh, India obviously is a home to a lot of craft traditions and craft travel. I believe has played a very important role in our economy, in particular, particularly in a few states like. Rajasthan, Kerala, which have been like more exposed to uh, travelers and national craft travel is very uh, important in terms of what it brings to the economy for the artisan community itself and uh, also in bringing awareness about uh, these craft traditions to people across the world and uh, which helps in preserving these traditions and also in, in their continuation in other forms, uh, and in a collaborative uh, work with uh, other artisans as
0: well.
2: Yeah, so it's. it's I think it's, it's it's the whole idea of being able to showcase what um, <coughs> cultures have to offer through you know visits to these spaces where you get to interact with uh, specific craftsmen. Uh, also serves to you know, uh, bring forth something that's more and more on the way out. Some of these traditions are dying out for whatever reasons whether they're economic or mass production and everything. And I think I can speak for this part of the world and I guess even um, uh, Seher might uh, uh, you know, add, add in on this is that there's this whole element of Handmade uh, crafts, you know, things where the use of the hand is integral. And I think that's more and more uh, disappearing and dying. And so many of these crafts need to be showcased in the right environment, of course, without making it commercial or anything. But I think there's a huge value to that. And if I could also add to what uh, Swada had to say about tourism becoming more and more experiential, and people want to, you know, literally sink their hands and feet and whatever else into, um, into a craft and experience it up close and personal rather than just see it on a discovery channel or something else. So I think that's a, that's a huge value that comes into uh, uh, craft tourism by just having people go to these spaces and interact with craftsmen and people who, uh, they meet them, yeah.
0: Yeah, I get the sense from the stories that uh, Kamalan shared with us that uh, there are a number of creative practitioners who are interested in these tours for professional reasons, photographers or designers who are interested to learn more about these crafts. Uh, Is that true? Yes,
2: yes, Uh, that is happening. But as I said, more and more, anybody who's traveling wants to experience things themselves. Rather than just read in a book or see it on a television channel, and they want to actually be sitting right next to, say, uh, you know, an ajrak uh, craftsman in the middle of Gujarat, and literally try and uh, do some block printing on a piece of cloth that's probably been, uh, you know, uh, put together right in the village, right next. So it gives this sense of authenticity, uh, which goes beyond just the fact that this is of interest to me because I am uh, uh, I'm doing a business in that. You know, it makes me live like a community that practices that craft,
0: you know. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll have a chance, I think, yeah. with uh, Praveen and Fiona also to think about the, what it's like to receive tours as well, uh, which is part of the, the value of what we're looking at. Uh, if we can go now to... Uh, Dushambe and uh, Nagina Uh, for a country like Tajikistan and what you're doing what do you see the the value of craft travel as being and how are you developing it
3: Uh, in Tajikistan um, now especially we have a good really good support from the side of the government especially by the side of our president because Uh, With his initiative from 2019 to 2021 it's announced as a year of tourism, rural area and folk art development in Tajikistan. So now the tourist sector, craft sector getting really well developing, so because Every traveler who visits some country, they definitely will buy some crafts or some uh, memory from this country. They will take it themselves. So now our tour, companies start organizing craft tours for tourists that visit Tajikistan and other Central Asian countries. They bring the group of tourists to the artisans so they can get a masterclass from the artist, they can learn about the story of artisan, story of culture of this country, and of course they will buy the product that from these artists that they have they have visited. So it's really good, it has a really high value because uh, through the developing the crafts program, tourist programs. So people can know about the culture of this country. So they can buy some memory from this country. And of course it will be sustainable, economically sustainable for the artist family. So yeah, and uh, now some other, all the uh, most of tourist companies, also artisans, craftspeople, They are trying to organize, to launch similar programs in different rural areas of countries where most tourist sites existed.
0: And uh, what about in terms of what uh, Gopesh and Swadu were saying regarding the experience side of things? In Tajikistan, are you looking at developing places where people can learn to, to make some of these crafts themselves or to live uh, in a Tajik home to experience life there?
3: Yes, of course, especially, for example, we have one country, uh, a one, we have one city, it's uh, Istarafshan, and uh, when we visited this city, there is 114 types of crafts uh, handicraft work existed in this small city and of course so this support by government these programs first support to preserve this cultural heritage preserve these crafts to again to update it promote it to develop it so really well it now through um, different programs we are trying uh, through this year that uh, we have uh, supported by all the organizations, governments, especially by our president, to try to develop this sector and to bring it uh, to the worldwide.
0: Yes, well, we certainly wish you the best and uh, look forward to seeing a lot more Tajik craft and culture, it seems such a, a unique and interesting part of the world. And uh, thanks to uh, Uzbekistan for uh, uh, revealing that to us at the, the festival recently that uh, Leila Walter was at representing New Zealand, The really wonderful <clears throat> stall you had in Kokan, the city in Uzbekistan. You brought your works uh, as well as a lot of materials that you gathered from New Zealand, organizations. You're a great ambassador for your country. Uh, And you wrote a beautiful essay for us about uh, in anticipation of going to Uzbekistan. So, you know, tell us from your perspective, the apple. (laughs) (coughs) Tell us.
6: My article was about going to Uzbekistan to start with. But the title of of the article is Uzbekistan and the promise of apple trees because I knew that apples had come from that part of the world and all of my work um, is about people in place and fruit trees is something that was important to me growing up rurally in New Zealand I didn't know that when I went to Uzbekistan I would be invited to a a different event in Kazakhstan the following month and by chance I went to a city hosted by um, Ajahn Bilikova who's the uh, head of all the artists of Kazakhstan and her her hometown was is the the translation of the name of her hometown is Apple Father, and I was able to go and see apple trees growing in the wild. So it was a great inspiration. This travel and I, and it really created um, personal connections, but also I have a thousand people following me here and and on all of the New Zealand craft related uh, organisations and um, friends and associates. So all of those people have come on that journey with me through Instagram, through Facebook and have got to discover and see a little bit about Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan and I guess the same will happen in return and we've been having some conversations with my gallery in New Zealand. Um, I met a few uh, re- really amazing um, enamel jeweler jewellery artists and I'll just hold this brooch this up here. This is by Jasmine Watson who's a New Zealand craft artist, a jeweller um, and she's uh, going to curate a show of enamel artists at Masterworks Gallery so there's there's been a really amazing, uh, a whole lot of things have come from, are coming, flourishing from that trip but going back to New Zealand and craft and tourism, New Zealand has only been inhabited for a thousand years by Māori and 250 years by Europeans, Indians, Chinese, other people um, so New Zealand does have an amazing tourism and craft tradition. Uh, They've tapped into that tourist market and tourism in general is really important to New Zealand economy. And I think that craft needs to be or will become something more and more strongly associated with tourism. We need to tap into that market obviously. Um, So with that in mind, I was uh, myself and some other craft artists have been talking about creating a connection between the hubs where tourists come to and the galleries that represent the top New Zealand craft artists, because I believe that there's a slight disconnect. Uh, Many, many tourists come to Te Papatomura um, National Museum, to Auckland Museum, where they get that experiential um, element with the Māori welcome, which is all about craft and performance and culture and fiction. But the craft element is so, so important. Um, sure. And you can see the poi being made. Um, this is like uh, a book that was given to me by Christina Widihamma, who I travel with her work. She can see the kitchen in the back, and 12 other artists to uh, work. I travel to done. So we're hoping to create maybe more of a um, a link from those pots that's service the tourists and to get those that are really interested in high-end craft to then be able to know where to go to find the top-end galleries.
0: Right. So you give an interesting perspective, Taylor, uh, as an artist representing your community in foreign lands and uh, obviously that's something which is exciting, it uh, presents your work in a totally different audience. and. Uh, gives you the prospect of some sort of exchange, as you're currently working on at the moment. Uh, so I think that's really valuable to have as part of this conversation.
2: I love the ball, Leila. It's very, very nice. It's looking
6: good. <laughs> Thank you very much. This <laughs> is <laughs> one of my latest pieces. It it's cast glass, So it's it's made in wax and then translated into glass by the lost wax technique, which is- Nice, which we have also
2: in our- Yeah, sure.
6: Yeah, that, that's
0: good. Good. Uh let's go to Julia now. Uh and uh hear from you about uh as a designer maker uh and somebody who's been traveling to India, you were at NIFT for a while, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh what's what the, what what the value is for you in terms of uh hosting people to travel to India. And some of the issues that you see we need to consider.
5: Um, Well, my first experience of taking a group of um, young women to India was when I was teaching at RMIT. Uh, And it's very interesting when you're in a role and, um, you know, it it tends to be more about theory than practice. And that particular tour we got to go to a wide range of um, artisan studios and to meet craftspeople and to big industry in um, Delhi. Uh, and I think, for me, the thing that really has encouraged me and inspired me to continue taking tours was the response from the young women who, um, who came on that tour, and they really said that it was a life-changing experience. And, um, you know, almost the fact that one of the young women has actually given up becoming a textile artist weaver and decided to take up law because she was so <laughs> impacted by, you know, her experience in India. However, that's a good thing. Um,
0: so you think, have to explain how that happened, what, what was it about India that made her take that path?
5: Uh, well, I think, um, you know, well, it's such a culturally different experience to Australia and she had, you know, I think she really believed that she lived in a really um, protected and safe environment. Mm-hmm living in Australia and then to be exposed to everything that you are exposed to in India, you know, the cultural differences, the poverty, the way people live, the crowds, uh, you know, d- just everything. Um, and particularly um, spending time with women um, I think made a really big difference for her and deciding on what she wanted to do with her future. So, yeah, I think. <laughs> You know, it, it's interesting. I mean, she still has a passion for craft, um, but, yeah, she's decided to go down a different path.
0: Yeah, so that's the the throw of the dice that travel often entails that can change you in ways you don't expect.
5: Oh, yes, absolutely. And I, um, I think one of the important things for me are the opportunities to meet the makers you know, actually sit with people who are um, engaged in all sorts of crafts. So it can be, I'm, I'm primarily interested in, personally in textiles, but um, I'm fascinated to see the potter's village in kurmatuli where, you know, there's a particular purpose for the sculptures that they're actually making, that nice. understanding the traditional craft and the application, the purpose, the use. Um, how they're constructed and also seeing what the market demands are on the craftspeople to actually change their traditional practices. So um, earlier on when we were chatting, we were talking about the uh, impact of plastics on, on traditional um, garlands that are worn by the camels in the Camel Festival, and you see that all all the time where we might have seen hand-painted um Uh, signs on trucks are now all um, transfers and stickers that you can get. So I think um, learning about the traditions and and understanding, you know, how they've changed. Uh, There's a couple of people who have mentioned um, the opportunity to actually protect and save some of these crafts. And that will happen through people being able to continue to have a viable income. But you know, I'm not, I'm not completely convinced that it's small groups of tourists 15 at a time who are going to actually be able to do that, but I think it's what they bring back um, to Australia and, and to other places that they're from and the stories that they can then tell other people about um, the extraordinary work that is um, created by um, artisans all over India.
0: Well, that's a wonderful. Thank you very much, Julia. That's a wonderful segue to Pushka and Rajasthan to Praveen and, and Fiona, who host uh, many people in their in their workshops. And uh, what's what's your response to some of the things we've been talking about?
7: We we started actually doing craft tours fifteen years ago. So we've been doing hands-on um, textile-based mostly, but whatever crafts you can come come across along the way us in India and um, in other countries. And it was only 10 years ago we settled in Pushkar and we had time on our hands in between wandering that um, I started to stitch with some local ladies thinking I could teach them how to earn some extra income. And um, from that, we now have a stitching workshop where we have nearly 100 people employed um, 90 percent of Fima localities now. So um, we started as working running you know taking people on craft tours. We now host people. Um, the, the, what started the tours was I'd met um, I'd met um, lots of interesting craft people the first time I came to India, block printing and weaving and stitching and all of those types of things and people from Australia said, we want to go with you and we want to, you know, we want to play. So that's how we started doing <laughs> tours. Um, and over that time, um, it's not going to change everything like Julia says, but it does. It does for the people with the visitors coming and showing interest and buying directly from um, makers it does make some impact it certainly makes an impact on their feeling about what they're doing um, and and mm, that's true. there is now there's a lot more people coming along wanting to there <clears> <throat> a workshop that has set themselves up quite well or they can manage to give it a good display or a good demonstration. it can for some, be a way of keeping it all vibrant and alive and economically viable for them. Mm.
0: Yes. Mm. And are there any issues? Like I could imagine it's quite disruptive too for artisans to have a group descend upon them and uh, take lots of photos and, um, and so on. I
7: think it's something that you need to really think about if you're going to go visiting places, what you do for them in return. We're yeah. quite a bit we have people to help us so if I'm pulled away to look after some group that is coming here there's still other people to keep the workshop running along but if you're just a small family of makers even serving up a cup of tea to every guest that comes in costs you money so I know when we are looking to build a new tour and to go and visit people we look really carefully at um, a people that we would like to visit who've got the skills, and we work out how we can, you know, develop a good presentation or a good hands-on experience. But we also really cover how we can make sure it's good for them in our own mind. So either they've got good product to sell, and we really do encourage people to have good products to sell because I think one of the catchphrases from our tours has always, has been, it was started off years ago, somebody saying, help the local economy. We've got to buy another one. We're helping the local economy. (laughs) (laughs) And and I know I repeat that to people now, but I've heard so many different ones, and we have lots of repeat visitors, so maybe they've just dragged it through, but we hear that so often, and it is something that we can do. We can help the local economy, but us as the organisers need to really think about how we are bringing people in and how it does go that way and see that our visitors get um, good quality, fairly made work that is authentic and from that, you know, to that workshop, but also that, that the workshop, the people that are hosting us get um, fair remuneration for what they're doing. So one thing that we do quite often, if, it, if, it, if we ask them to make us lunch, and we pay very well for lunch. So our guests get a great, you know, home-cooked meal, um, but also we know that we're putting something back into the household so that we're not just taking, you know, because some, some places their, their items are expensive or, or too big so our guests can't really buy that much. So it's one way of making sure that they're covered.
0: Oh, that's very interesting. So in what 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 you're looking at here is a craft package or a craft tour, which isn't just about uh, itineraries, making sure that you've got uh, planes booked and hotels booked and so on, but it's also about having a, a good sense of really what, what the us kind us of trust that. is that you've developed with uh, different yeah. people.
7: So now we have a workshop. A lot of the people that we... Um, not all, but many people we visit on our tours, we also buy products from. So, you know, yes. Bengal, we, we lob up into the homes of people that weave for us <laughs> over, you know, and send their fabric to us every month. Um, many people, yeah, we've met along the way, and we, 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 we will work with them from the workshop side of things, and we will, you know, possibly be visiting them from the, mm. from the tourist side of things.
0: Good. Well, we're coming to an end or to a conclusion now, so it might be good to hear from the rest of you about any other points or responses to what's being said.
6: I had a thought about um, just just going a little bit deeper in terms of the viability of craft and its ability to keep going and and flourish is the importance of all of the different governments uh, to be really careful about Maintaining craft programs through schools and universities, because if if their measure of success is measured on income alone, then they won't keep supporting the craft schools. So it's it's really important for society to you know keep tabs on what's going on within government levels and and keep that encouragement to keep schools open because for, that teach and encourage craft and art. Because craft and art is a symbol of of what how we live our lives. It, they're the objects that adorn our daily lives and our rituals and our. So I think so that's that's something that I wanted to add to the conversation.
0: Good. So it, it's a sense in which travel can often remind you that there's more to life than just simply the the weekly paycheck or mortgage uh, that. There are people whose lives are much more integrated with craft who find value and satisfaction from it.
4: Mm. Any other thoughts?
2: Yes, I I think that some some things we really, really always try and uh, look at when we are doing our journeys is um, I think we need to be very, very sensitive to uh, the cultural uh, uh, aspects, values that Uh, a lot of the communities have. And I think somewhere in our enthusiasm to uh, experience everything totally or try and document it or uh, take an image of it, I think sensitivities need to be looked at. And I somewhere, uh, that's something that as hosts, we try, I think those are critical. That's one thing. And then I thought um, uh, authenticity of the craft is uh, somewhere getting um, affected because of this whole masks tourism kind of thing. So, you know, if you go to Rajasthan somehow and you go for a block printing class to Bagru uh, somewhere I think, uh, you know, we, you need to be able to, you should be showcasing what is authentic rather than what is convenient, um, you know, which is true for a whole lot of various crafts. And another thing that the third thing that I felt critically in the world that we're living in is the whole idea of the focus on sustainability. Uh, uh, you know a lot of us here have been uh, looking at textile uh, towards and I think textiles in their own way uh, can be fairly uh, damaging to the environment and I think uh, more and more there is this whole focus going to um, artificial dyes and chemicals and everything so I think those are three things that somewhere as uh, those these, these craft tours, uh, mushroom, and there are more of these three things that I think uh, we need to try and focus on, and I think it's important for all of us to try and bring to each of the experiences that we get. This, mm-hmm.
4: also, this whole uh, mm-hmm. topic of like what are we contributing to a place when we travel, and to especially in the case of craft tours, because We are taking so much from there, whether it is in the form of an experience or it is and in the actual taking of the knowledge processes or the traditions that they have, the sheer joy of being there. But I think the onus is also on us as people who facilitate travel and also on the travelers themselves to see what our contribution is. Is be it in the form of simply sharing it on your social media to create awareness about the processes, or sharing it with a group of your friends so that they know about it, they get, get interested to travel to these places, or whether it is uh, sharing these, uh, this information with researchers or academic who actually uh, take it forward in the form of projects or uh, mm-hmm. something of uh, this nature. So I think what we contribute is a very, it's a very
0: important question to ask ourselves. Yes, and it does suggest the need for some sort of ethics around Instagram and uh, the particular transactions involved when uh, we take so many photos of craftspeople in action in particular and uh, what that exchange is. I wonder, Nagina, if we could hear from you about Tajikistan because unlike the other countries, India and Pakistan, where English is fairly widely spoken Uh, in Tajikistan. Not everybody speaks English as beautifully as you. Uh, So uh, you obviously need uh, interpreters or guides who can be bilingual. Uh, Are people developing careers now in this to be conduits for tourists in your country? Uh, Yeah, because
3: Tajikistan now it's much mountain country. We are 93 percentage covered by mountains, only 7 percentage land. So most of artisans, um, artisans families, they live, of course, in rural area, in mountain area. So for them, for most of them, it's really uh, difficult to get to know, uh, to learn English because when they not practice it, can be also difficult for them to learn. And now, how we are trying to do to, to develop the situation? Organization like our our organization, representatives like me, tourist companies, guides also uh, they of course helping artisans. We are trying to make the stories of artisans. If you if you know um, about the 40 days story with 40 days with artisans that I tried to, I have already started to do it. This was one of the reasons to give to all the people, foreigners who are living in the country, to give about, know about the story of artisans, where they're located, what, what is their product, what they do, and their difficulties, also their challenges, that if people will go to other regions, they can go, they already know about them. So, now guide people also trying to support artisans to, for these translations. Yeah. yeah. And participating in some in our handicraft fairs, it's really, uh, it was really happy for me to hear that some of them already know how to sell their product. They know they have to say the price. They know what what, what it's made from and where they are from. There's some simple words they already start uh, learning and start uh, talking to their customers, trying to express their um, information about their craft. Not all of them, but we have few artisans who speak also really good English and who support some artisans, their family members, their children, their relatives who know some language they
6: support also them.
0: Good. Uh, yeah. All right. Any other thoughts?
6: Yeah, I just wanted to add to that note about, you know, people taking photographs for Instagram and so on. I think it's really important if you do take photographs of an artist or their work, or especially also if you buy somebody's work, take the time to write down their name, where they come from.
0: Yeah,
6: and, and, keep that, and try to keep that information with that piece of artwork or craft work. Yeah. So that when it does get passed on down the family line, or given to a museum in your own country, whatever, there's that information and in its traceability. And it also means that when <laughs> someone that you know in your own country sees something that you bought from somewhere else potentially, then you can say, this is who that person is. Or even if, it's, if you have the link on the Instagram page, which seems to be the way at the moment, People can just go directly and we can be a link so that more and more people can have those connections and find those beautiful
0: products Mm. sure uh can i just finally just throw in the issue i think which might be in the back of many minds which is that this craft travel boom is also uh alongside with travel boom generally that we are traveling a lot more just for everyday for for holidays and uh uh, other events and uh, at the same time, there's increasing awareness of the contribution that travel uh, has towards carbon emissions and mm-hmm. uh, to be concerned about that. And uh, how do you think we should, you know, seeing the value of this and what we're doing, how should we be, if you've got any thoughts about, uh, about this issue and how we should be considering it?
5: It's been really worrying me. It has really been worrying me to the point that I almost am considering that the next tour that I do, it may, you know, it may be the last one that I'm going to do some research on solutions. So it may be that we could do something like this where you know I beam into some of the craft people who we work with in West Bengal and I have sessions where they can actually speak to a group in a room and I might ask them to send me some products. You know, I it, it's really been worrying me. I'm I'm not sure what the solution is because there is nothing like the real thing. You know, like being in a country and experiencing absolutely everything: sound, food, location, landscape, and most of all, people. Just having that connection with people and being able to share. You know, work. Um, you know, to be I, I've had you know people who've been on my tours bring pieces of their own work and. And show um, you know women embroider who were, they were doing embroidery with, and that that kind of experience is not quite the same when it's across the screen like this. So yeah,
0: uh, certainly.
5: Yeah.
0: So well, I think yes, go on, Kapesh. No, on
2: Now, as I said, taking up from what Julia is saying, uh, since there's nothing really like the real thing, and you I mean, you have to land in a, in a country. But for starters, internally, maybe you should take the the, the train. Yeah. You know, it, there is nothing as nothing as travelling by rail. Or, or oh, travel. yes,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> well, we look forward to a train line to Australia and New Zealand. Uh, uh, but I think one of the issues is that it uh, it is something which would make us pause for thought and uh, make us make the most of what we're when we're traveling, uh, to know that it's it's something which is is valuable. And maybe we may not just take that sort of in impulse trip to a beach in Thailand just to chill out. Uh maybe that's something we sacrifice, but still where there's important cultural work happening. Uh we don't wanna see the the world Becoming more and more frag- fragmented as seems to be occurring at the moment, and these sorts of contacts provide a kind of fabric fabric of connections which is ever more important. And thanks so much, everyone, for contributing to this discussion with very few carbon emissions uh, the, this this evening or this afternoon, wherever you are. Uh, thanks to uh, Julia, Gopeshan, Swadu, to Sa. Lala, uh, Layla, uh, Nagina, and uh, finally Pushka and uh, Fiona. Thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and uh, hope you've enjoyed it and hope you uh, read more of the wonderful stories that have been shared in our number 16 issue of Garland.
4: You've been listening to a podcast from Garland Magazine. Please check our website garlandmag.com for more stories behind what we make.